Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman, and uh, you're listening to us on Radio Harbor Country. That's WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And uh, Johnny's Secret Stash is underwritten by Kara's Cottages, one of downtown Kalamazoo's first Airbnbs. Kara's Cottages are within walking distance of local shops, breweries, and some of Michigan's most beautiful walking trails. Additional information at karascottages.com. That's Kara's and Cottages with a K. And I am very happy to welcome my good friend, Brian Barber. Welcome, Brian. Good hey, to have hey, you John. back. Thanks you, for having me again. Yeah. Uh, so, Brian, I think we're on the show like over the summer or something, but he has since um, finished three, uh, how, four out of five of the songs that's going to go onto your Actually, new it's, album? it's going to be four songs on the album and then a fifth bonus track that's it's not going to be listed on the album. So if you oh. listen to the whole thing and just happen to have it playing, one of those deals, you know, wow. it'll come on. And uh, All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is far more than what you had in mind when we even originally talked before. And I know that you introduced uh, one of the songs on uh, Fred Lang's show, um, the All Over the Planet, or Edgar Wilbury, I yes, should say. Yes. <laughs> and uh, actually, I was there for that. That was that was great. So so really nice to hear Thank that. You. And uh, I think I've even heard the song since then. So we're gonna get to hear you play that live. Looking forward to that. Uh, and in the meantime, good opportunity for us to just get updated on you know what you've been up to and what's been going on. Um, so uh, looking forward to you know digging in on that kind of stuff. Well, as you know, I'm, I'm not like the average musician. I I, uh, I I run a construction company. Most of, that takes up most of my time. So, uh, this is kind of a, more of a hobby to me, and I'm doing it kind of uh, because of my age that I, I want to put something out there for my my son to uh, have to listen to, and you know, just kind of like a legacy thing, I guess it is. Just, just wow, yeah. that's great. I I don't. I mean, I I knew uh, that that was something on your mind, but um, that's. Uh, that's such a great goal to have to provide something for your son, you know, as uh, as time goes. Um, but you know, also, what a great opportunity for you to express your creativity and to you know actually be able to get it down. Uh, so you know, you've got a um, uh, technical background in terms of of musicianship and mm-hmm. um, and recording and sound and. Uh, and so now you're going to be translating all that into, you know, the, the songs you've written and, and are going to be able to put down on, uh, put out there. What, what kind of form are you going to have? Are you going to put it out on Spotify and uh, Apple Music and that kind of I'm stuff? I'm going to try to get it on App, uh, Apple Music and then Spotify, Spotify as well. Um, I don't know. Some people use Bandcamp, so maybe considering something like that. Uh, this is all new to me. Cause, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, you'll have... You know what? I imagine that you'll figure it all out, and then you'll be able to be there as a guide for others. Because, uh, frankly, that's what you do, my man. I, I've <laughs> seen it before, so uh, looking forward to you know <laughs> seeing how that works. I, I've never uh, uh, been involved with getting. Well, actually, this podcast Somewhere, is on yeah, Spotify. Your podcast. But they made it really easy. Like it was uh, just a like a little widget that you just clicked on a box through uh, Podbean. But I don't know when you're actually coming in as a musician. But uh, from what I read so far, there's a, there's a, another company you have to go through that kind of sets you up, and then they they, they communicate with them. I, I might not be right about that. I'm not sure, but uh, just a little it bit. Might of even research. be easier than that, you know. Yeah, it so might you, be. 
But you maybe we'll come back on the show and uh, describe your process with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, well, why don't we start out? Why don't we um, have you play one of your songs? And okay. this, do you have a, a name for the new album? You know, it's, actually, I don't yet. I've I've got a few considerations, but no, nothing yet uh, in, in stone. So. Cool. All right. Um, and uh, obviously, you're gonna have to work out some some album artwork and stuff like that. That sure. would be kind of fun to see how that works. Yeah. Uh, uh, one, and, one of the names I'm considering yeah. is like it's indie rock, but like I N capital D and then rock after that. So like, oh it's, yeah, it's an indie rock album. So I mean. That's cool. Why not yeah. keep it simple, I guess. <laughs> that is, that's about as simple as you get, but it also is, uh, you know, says it all right there. Yeah. You know, um, well, let's hear it. I mean, you're, I mean, it's always tough to put anything into a genre kind of uh, limitate, limitation like that. But, um, you know, if it's self-chosen, then uh, all, the be- all the more, all the, all the better. So this is kind of the rawest form you're going to hear this song in because it's it's well produced now. It, it's got many different instruments in it. My wife sings back up in, in, oh, on the song. Oh, that's right, so yeah. It's really cool to have her on there. So this is just going to be the, the, the bare bones raw song. So Just literally an acoustic version of your... Uh, of Hollow. Of, and the song is called Hollow. Yes. So what's the song about before we get in? Uh, you know, a lot of people ask me that. It's it, it's up to your, your, own, uh, uh, your own interpretation, really. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of like... There's so many different like parts to the song, uh, but none of it really is designed to make sense. It's just kind of like to to uh, play on emotions and, and make you feel something or make you think that you're in a similar situation. Uh, but most of it's just artistically. Po- it's more like poetry, I guess. Uh-huh. You know, it's not okay. really based on. It's, it's like par- parts of stories that I come up with. Yeah. Based on maybe uh, like a character. You know, was this one of the first songs that you came up with for the album? Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I think it is probably the first one because what had happened as I worked on it, several songs uh, over the last since like uh, 2016 t- until now, actually 2014 until now, and I've been going back and just kind of like hand picking the ones that I, I wanted to work on and and, and polish and, and and make them to where they they're worthy of an album, but. Um, yeah, so... Uh, okay, without any ado. further ado. <laughs> how funny we both thought the same thing. Without any further ado, here we go with Brian Barber playing Hollow? Hollow. Hollow. Hello. 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 <laughs> I'm going to turn off my mic. Okay. I see my boat shallow the water is shallow without wings to fly away there's no tomorrow there's no tomorrow this knife that pierced my skin is making me hollow you know what uh Sorry, uh, I don't usually do this, but um, I'm, I'm going to start over. Okay, yeah. that's funny you say that because you do this all the time. <laughs> all right. I don't want to edit it, but you know, okay. So. Take two. <laughs> that was a little intro. That was yeah, like the yeah. teaser trailer. Okay, back from commercial break. Yeah. Here's the song. Okay, good. I sail my boat out to the sea. The water is shallow. The water is shallow 
without wings to fly away. There's no tomorrow. There's no tomorrow. This knife pierces my skin. It's making me hollow. It's making me hollow. Sometimes I feel I'm running in place. Now and I feel like I'm from outer space. Feel I might get replaced by you. I turn my head around to see if somebody followed, but nobody followed. Is this a conscience or is it a dream? A ones and zeros making us heroes. Your sharp tongue pierces my ears. It's making me hollow. It's making me hollow. Sometimes I feel like I'm running in place. Right now I feel like I'm Awesome. I, uh, that, that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember hearing this song a couple times and always just so blown away. It's like, it's, uh, it's like a different person almost when you, when you're singing it, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, I don't, I don't know. We, we all have our, our radio voice and we all have our, our music voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know when I'm talking, I'm just throwing out thoughts and uh, of, of current, you know, current thoughts. Of, uh, that's the words that come out when you're singing. Uh, like you listen to Ozzy Osbourne when he talks, and he talks to, to like, like this. That's right. Know, He's kind, got a really heavy kind of like I east do most side, of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with a thick East Side accent from uh, England. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then when he sings, he just has a, a beautiful voice. I mean, it's, it's a rock and roll voice, but man, it's just uh, it's melodic. He can kind of hit any any key. He can sing in any key. He's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of musicians like that who've got really thick accents. You don't even know, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to even understand what they're saying when they're talking, and then uh, when they're singing, it um, you know, it 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 doesn't sound like anything like that at all. Albert Lee is an example I can think of. He's yeah. a he's an English uh, English bloke, and but he's uh, kind of a country star, yep. and his music, like you know, he kind of has a, almost a little. You can almost hear like the country twang whenever he's playing. I it ne- certainly doesn't sound like English. I never heard of Albert till he came to the to the Acorn Theater. That's right. And yeah, he was he's, amazing. He, yeah, his, he, his guitar style was just 
uh, oh, well, yeah. well studied. Yeah. I mean, he's, for just, sure. he's, he's so good. He's got an unbelievable guitar player. That that's his thing. Like, in fact, I think I first saw him, uh, at the, um, uh, at the Crossroads Guitar Fest, uh, you know that Eric, that thing Eric Clapton was doing. Yeah, um, played a bunch. Played like two different times in uh, the Chicago area at uh, well, they called it Toyota Park at the time. I don't remember what they're calling it now, but it's essentially where they had that Rose Festival over the summer. Ah. And um, yeah, that oh, that was just uh, such an exposure to some of the greatest guitar players of all different genres. Eric Clapton like invited all these. Great musicians who are blues players, country players, rock and roll players, you know, and that uh, that exposed me to uh, Derek Trucks at the time, and uh, well, BB King was there, and you know, a bunch of classic guys. But Albert Lee, I, I think he was there <laughs> after all this. <laughs> you you have a great palate for music, though, uh, and it's so great because uh, John and I actually were sitting last night just kind of uh, listening to music, and yeah, we were just trading songs off, and it's so right. neat to hear some of the songs he listens to compared to what I listen to. And I really enjoy the, the music that he likes. And a lot of it I haven't even heard. So it's it's great to listen to new stuff. Yeah, and vice versa. I was uh, exposed to a lot of things that I don't listen to myself. And that kind of gets to like, you know, uh, I don't know if it's um, just, you know, what came across, you know, your um, uh, musical spectrum during your life mm-hmm. versus what has come across my musical spectrum. But you know, you, you uh, develop your musical taste as a result of the kind of things you listen to and hear or are exposed to. And sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes it's getting exposed to a song in a way that creates a positive response. And so then that becomes like a positive song in your life, you know. So yeah. let's say, you know, some someone you know um, who you really respect played a song or you heard it while you were with them. Yeah. And then that like translates into a song that's got special meaning. Music, yeah. music is kind of like my time machine. It's, it's one of the wonders of, of the world to me uh, without music. I don't know how I would enjoy life. You know, I can't say that I would go kill, go out and kill myself or something like that, but <laughs> I don't know how I can enjoy life. Like I do with it. You hear a song back from when you were in high school and you can actually be taken back to that moment where you're hanging out with your buddies, you know, or whatever. It's just, uh, yeah, it's a time machine. Yeah. Well, and that's a good point also is, um, you know, it takes you back to a point in time, a, a, a period of time or a specific event or, uh, and sometimes, you know, you can be hearing a song during a very specific kind of an event and, uh, it has a lot of meaning at that time, Mm -hmm. but then you might hear it later on and it, you know, you kind of like reflect back like, wow, I remember hearing this and, and having all this meaning attached to it, and now I don't. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember listening to some 80s stuff that I dug out, you know, dug out of the wherever, you know. Just kinda, yeah. Actually, it was on uh, Apple Music. I was going through since I had the subscription and just trying to look for the old stuff I used to listen to and re-listen to it. Yeah. And some of it's difficult to, to re-listen to because some of <laughs> are like, why did I listen to this? You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, you just, uh, you kind of wonder where you're coming from. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I always have this impression that, you know, music, well, music is sound. But sound is has much more meaning for humans than we even realize or know. You know, True. have you ever heard these stories about um, like people with uh, dementia or Parkinson's or something like that, where they're restricted and and somehow like their body doesn't work right, but then they like hear a song and it like puts their you know their brain waves in a certain pattern 
that just allows them to um, uh, get good sensations out of it or or come out of their stupor or whatever. Uh, it happens with like autistic kids sometimes and um, I, I, I truly believe that uh, the thing about sound, I watched the documentary the other day on, the day on sound. Uh, you, Kara actually is the one that introduced me to this, uh, was it the, the, the channel? My partner Kara? Oh, yeah. She's a big fan of the Gaia, Gaia the, yeah, channel. Yeah, the Gaia Network. Yeah. So uh, they had a thing on there about <laughs> sound, and sound is sound is more than we even know. So there's sound and mathematics are the creation of everything. Uh, and, and this is just a matter of opinion, of course, in this documentary. But they, what they were saying is that before we had movement or life was even created, sound was created and sound created movement. And at every level, if you go down to the smallest, smallest level, um, uh, we're actually, you know, without getting too deep, we're actually basically just math. We're numbers. We're not yeah. even... As well, some, we're energy for sure. Yeah, it's all energy, and uh, energy is created by movement, and, and sound is part of that energy. So it's it's kind of, in, in a way, we all we all live on a frequency. You know, we yes. all live on uh, right. So uh, you know, without getting too deep, it's it's you should check out the the, the guy network. And I, I, I what was the name of that one? I'm trying to remember what the name of the show was. Uh, it was something about there's the, all kinds of really yeah, funky yeah. stuff on there. That's for sure. It's uh, not uh, not your not your parents peacock tv for sure it was something like the movement of sound or, or something like that it was yeah a, very interesting though well i mean i i've been t- talking about this with other people too but there's uh i've been hearing more and more about um how ancient civilizations may have used sound mm-hmm. in order to do certain things like like they're talking about how that might have had a role in building the pyramids like they could take um they could take water and put it along like the edge of a rock and then use the sound from their voices at the different frequencies and maybe even a combination of people doing it. And it would vibrate the water at a certain, at a certain vibration level. So what you're talking about is resonant frequencies. Every, every object and every material has a resonant frequency. Yes, that's right. They use the word resonant. Yeah. Yeah. That means the material reacts to the sound at that frequency. Yeah. So, I mean, how it doesn't happen more often that like stuff just falls apart or, or moves or evaporates based on the sounds that are going on. I mean, because, you know, these days we have so many big sounds happening, uh, and at all different kinds and we can control sound at all these different levels. How is it that, you know, we're not able to just do that at a whim and maybe that's the next thing that's going to start happening. You know, they were the same documentary that I saw about, uh, where they talked about the um, the the resonance in, in the water and, and helping to cut the rocks that were then used for the pyramids. Mm-hmm. Um, those say that a different group would would be knowledgeable about making sound that resonates and then you know can actually you know help lift things mm-hmm. like it it has an effect on on the the weight of it or you know I don't know but. There's no doubt that you can move objects with sound. I mean, uh, dynamite, you blow something with dynamite, is percussion that's actually cracking that oh, rock. I mean, you I have the, 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 uh-huh. the power of the explosion, but a lot of that's the resonance. Uh, you know, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that this has a lot of the destructive part of, of dynamite. Is, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Well, I mean, just think about like the, the simplest example. You put your phone without, uh, without the, the, the rubber, you know, container for it or the and and then and you and it 
if it uh, makes a vibration, it kind of like moves along the table. Very good example. You know, yeah. that uh, wasn't my example, but that uh, <laughs> that is some, you know, it's something that you notice and you can be like, oh, okay, and trace that back and multiply that by a thousand or a million. And uh, next thing you know, like we're, we're making changes to our world using sound and not leverage or, or mechanics or yeah. whatever. Um, I mean, I think the implications of where sound is going to go is, um, or what it can do is, is really going to be, uh, just a huge revolution in our time. But for now, like, just think about how, you know, we've been talking about how sound affects us as humans and probably not limited to just our brain waves and, and the pleasure we get out of listening to something, but in in addition, you know, how it affects our bodies and, and therefore, you know, has a positive effect. It, it does. It, it can be soothing. It can be aggressive. Uh, you, you know, you come home, you want to relax, and you just had a really bad day. Sometimes it's good to put on whatever you like to listen to, some smooth jazz or just some, you know, whatever to, to relax you. Or maybe you're just uh, and you're angry and you want to get aggression out. So you, get, you put on some thrash music and you just get right, in your car. Jump around. And you, yeah, you, you crank your stereo and you yell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, that. That's probably why you know my taste in music is. I feel like it's kind of eclectic. It's all over the place. I can appreciate a good symphony. I love a good jam band. You know. Um, but you know, then I I also really could get a lot out of opera or uh, or even heavy metal. You know, um, it, I don't recognize a lot of the different stuff that's outside of my you know regular mm-hmm. habit of listening to stuff. But uh, I do appreciate most music, and I think you're like that too. You know, you yeah, to some extent. You know, being that I, I, I do some recordings for different people and different uh, associations. Uh, I did recording in a couple times in a church and it was a, uh, for piano, it was a pianist and she, she was a young girl. It was just a really amazing young player, uh, a competitive one. Uh, so I was able to capture that and, and you know, that, that's just, uh, something I don't really listen to, uh, uh you know, right, like, right. you know, Janowski or, uh, you know, all the, all the greats and, uh, but it's something I appreciate. It's something I really appreciate because it's difficult to do that. For one. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I could, I, that almost hits another aspect of music, and that is, you know, the create the, the creative outlet that, that uh, the musician has engaged in to then, you know, put together this particular kind of music. I mean, I'm, I really appreciate that. I always wonder, like, you know, where does this come from? So, for instance, with Hollow, um, you know, you describe, like, how it's just this sort of general song that is meant to um you know create opportunities for the listener to be able to to come up with their own thoughts of of uh their own thoughts and feelings that come out of it Mm -hmm. um but you know where how did you come into that like how did you create this Uh, that's the way that i usually create most of my songs it starts off with a melody um either either playing it on the guitar or, or keyboard or something uh, or maybe just humming it, and like, okay, that's 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 a cool melody, and I'll, I'll maybe do like four chord changes to just to play a couple of riffs of it. And once I find something that's that's interesting as a melody, I try to like push it to make it into a song. Like, okay, is this going to be a verse? Is it going to be a, a chorus? Sometimes the melody is more fitting for a chorus at first because it's something that like you you want to come back to, 
uh, and throughout the song. Yeah, yeah, it's uh-huh. like the, the high point of the song, and it's like you don't want to put that right at the beginning. So uh, then it may take a little while to come up with a melody for for the verse, or sometimes it's the verse is pretty much the whole song, and then you have to come up with something for the chorus uh-huh, or, uh-huh. or a bridge or whatever. Yeah. So it's, it's mostly just creating melodies and, and putting them in order by feeling. It's it's actually it's kind of like not like uh, it's just like an emotional feeling more more or less when creating the melody uh and it's something that's just catchy or sticks in my head and then uh from there i i kind of write like like poetry i I just sit down and and i think well i think of a situation or a story that a person might be in or um so did you uh like for instance with uh uh, hollow did you write the um the poem the poetry part the the lyric part uh afterwards did you just kind of have that floating around and then try to bring that back and and then incorporate it with the melody that you came up with so i I actually just had the melody in my head and and i'm hum it like you know virtually in my head over and over again as i'm thinking of what can what words can go with this oh so you're very specific about how what words you're going to try to put with that melody yeah yep and some some of it just comes to me naturally it doesn't i don't have to really work at it like the rhyming part of a lot of stuff and the way it kind of fits. Uh, maybe I wrote too many haikus when I was a kid or something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it, it's, I build on on the the lyrics, and if it doesn't quite tell the story the way I want to tell it, I, I'll go back and change words to make it more fitting. Right, right. But most of the time, it's kind of where I start off with uh, the, the first lyrics to come up with, for the most part. Cool. And- and we uh, we just heard the. By the way, I'm talking to Brian Barber, who uh, just released or is releasing a, uh, a four slash five song EP uh, in the next couple months, and uh, I think you're gonna do the full um, uh, reveal on uh, the uh, All Over the Planet show with Edgar Wilberry. That's that's the plan. Yeah. So he he told me. I asked him if I could do it on his show, and he'd let me do the one song. But it's so funny. I, I, I go, can I release the rest of my album on your on your show? And he goes, well, if it's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> that's, that's Fred. We yeah. always have an outlet here. Believe yeah. me. No, he's uh, just joking understand. around. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. Uh, but uh, so we heard the acoustic version. And, uh, and as we talked about the last time, you have spent a lot of time uh, mastering sound, uh, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you know, all the equipment, you, you're a regular, um, you know, uh, student of the, the equipment market, I would call you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> we, a little secret is Brian, uh, can't give, he can't pass on a, uh, not just a good deal, but he can't pass on a new product and uh has a, a he's got all kinds of stuff in his arsenal it's actually worse than that <laughs> I, I i get to the point where i'm i'm always like searching for the perfect perfect speaker yeah like yeah the perfect you know perfect sounding uh, speaker so I, i'm i'm a nut like that i buy speakers all the time you <laughs> yeah. know and then uh, i have i do my own comparisons and uh yeah my wife knows she's looking at me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh yeah i, I like to, to to uh uh put them side by side and, and compare the sound Right, right. You know, and then critique them and then do reviews on them. So. Uh, oh, do, oh, then you go back to the site of where you got it and do reviews on them yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Oh, okay. But but I was starting to talk about that to say that uh, this final version of the song, which, you know, we so we heard an acoustic version, a live acoustic version. That mm-hmm. was awesome. The, the final version of the song uh, actually has multiple tracks of you playing over, like, the bass of it. 
Uh, Anna, your wife, uh, is is also singing on it. And uh, so in that, you've got, I think, a... Uh, uh, saxophone or yeah. at least a digital saxophone it's a what's well, a uh, digital workstation um uh roland is who's made by it's a, the phantom zero six and some of the sounds on there they really sound like they really sound like the instrument for sure violin the, the real uh, thing. sax or whatever it may be so um and in the final version you incorporated i know a bass a really great bass sound uh and uh and then the saxophone like we were talking about guitar um, multiple voices. Don't don't you also back up the yeah. main singing voice? So I think I've got three layers of vocals on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on top of your own, uh, you know, direct vocals, you've got like three la- layers of uh, your voice um, acting well, as a harmony kind of thing. Yeah. So you got you oh, have man. your main, you know, your main vocal. Then yeah. Uh, some of the harmony follows that vocal a little bit, and then some of it just has its own cross melody. I guess you'd call it like it just kind of fits in but it's not really the same melody and then we had my wife on there for the fourth fourth melody uh uh-huh. yeah uh whatever then, what other instruments i a saxophone you got uh, sax, bass, bass guitar bass guitar drums uh drums of course yeah, yeah. uh there's some uh like keys in there some like synths oh right yeah. uh-huh and uh yeah and the guitar itself there's I think three tracks of guitar. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so you have an old orchestra with you, yeah. and uh, you know you're just doing it off of this this teeny tiny little unit, or I guess it's a laptop actually, or it's a uh, it's iPad, an iPad, iPad yeah. Pro, yeah. Yeah. So you know you're you're basically creating this huge uh, symphony of sound uh, off of an iPad Pro. I mean, it's really quite amazing the technology that exists out it there. It is. To be able to do something professional in your own home now, yeah, compared to you know what even twenty years ago, ten years ago, for sure, right? Well, it's now all digital. It's not analog. I mean, you know, before you'd have to plug everything in and set up uh, yeah. amps and stuff. But um, uh, I, you know, you make it sound like anyone can do it in their home. I don't think that that's true. <laughs> I think that you've got a special skill at this. And uh, no, any any musician that wants to can do it in their home. I guess. I think there's other musicians that have tried to do it, but you know, not every musician can. But that's the thing. That's what I'm getting at is that you've got this skill that uh, you've been sharing with you know your f- other friend musicians and helping them yeah. out. Um, even if it's just helping them set up sound at a at a you know event that they're doing or something like that. Like you, you uh, often will do that. You'll. Um, I started doing consulting for local musicians. Uh, I only had a couple of them so far, but maybe in the future I'll work towards that, that direction. Just getting them the equipment that they need to sound good. Yeah, There's, yeah. Even just helping them figure out like the best PA system to buy for yeah. their for their band or something like that. Because there's musicians I, I hear and I think, man, this person sounds really good, but the, the equipment's not doing them justice. Uh-huh. And there's a local one, and specifically, I'm not going to say his name, but <laughs> I, he, I helped him out, and uh, he was real, he was really happy that that I could I could help him out. And it, I had fun doing it. It wasn't like I was trying to, to get anywhere with it, but now I, I just like doing that for people because it's, yeah. you know, it's, to see somebody else being their best. Is, is, right. is great right uh, that's uh definitely a, a, a pleasure um so uh the other songs you've got coming out on this uh ep uh have you gotten them finished i'm mastering all of them right now okay yeah. all right so i'm not really going back and changing much but if there's something i hear in the process right right yeah. 
Now, I had a friend of mine that he's been on the show as well uh, who told me that when you do your own music like I'm doing, it's a huge risk uh, because you can become almost inbred when you're recording and, and you can sound too much like one person. Uh-huh, right. Um, so I'm hoping I avoided that on this and the final recordings, and I hope that each song sounds like maybe a different band other than my vocal. My vocal is just going to be my vocal, I guess. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, but I want each type, each song to sound like maybe a different band was backing me up. Or Oh, really? That's yeah. that's your goal with this is yeah. to not just sound like the same band playing a different song, but you want it to have a whole different sound. Kind of like an Al Parsons project thing uh-huh. where you would just get a bunch of people and you know create a song. So Right. Uh, that, that's, that's kind of the direction. I, so I'm hoping this isn't like inbred sounding in that it's and but, but what i was going for because i wanted to produce it all myself i wanted to produce it all myself because it i wanted to keep that raw feeling of the uh-huh. song you know the way i felt when i actually put that onto the music and, and, and put that onto the recording that, that's that's kind of i wanted that to translate through and bringing another engineer in or producer it, it might help out but well, I understand what you're saying. And when you're saying inbred, you mean like it's all your ideas going down and all being interpreted. And you don't really have anyone else to look over your shoulder and say, hey, why don't you do it like this? Yes. Or why don't you do it like that? Yes. And, you know, when um, most bands will put together an album, they'll have a producer who will, you know, give that side of it. You know, they've got mm-hmm. their ideas. They've written the songs. The bands have written the songs. The musician has sung the song. But for the producer to come in and say, you know, that sounds great and all, but what if he did it like this? And and to offer other suggestions on it. Yeah. And that, so without that, are, is that a true concern or is it? Uh, I don't know if it's a concern because, you know, I get to the point where I just don't care. Yeah, you know, exactly. either you like it or you don't. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like I, yeah. I, I want people to enjoy it. But if you don't enjoy it, don't don't listen to it. I mean, it's just, and I don't <laughs> right. mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's just, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also it could be that um, those um, songs that are created with an outside producer um, are done that way because the musicians don't really know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, so. I think it's uh, having another perspective. Like I, I talk to my, to my wife a lot about when I'm, when I'm recording or doing something and I get her opinion and she's got a good ear. And, she sure does. And, yeah. And she's very, very creative herself. She plays the ukulele. Oh, that's or right. She's, learn- she's learning the ukulele. Yeah. But she picked it up pretty fast. That's pretty good. <laughs> I uh, I picked up a ukulele really fast, and I put it right back down. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it didn't stick. <laughs> but that would be fun to... Uh, to uh, and do you guys ever, um, you know, play songs together? I know you karaoke together, because you have your karaoke uh, we, business, essentially. We did it first. We need to start doing it some more. Just little jam sessions. Little, At uh, first, I would play acoustic and she would play the ukulele, and then we'd sing. We we tried to sing together, you know, yeah. but we never got to the point where we we uh, meshed to the point where we could, you know, keep a solid solid thing going. You know, uh, right? Like we couldn't play out live uh, doing the stuff we did together. Not yet. So not yet. Yeah. But you know what? I gotta say, you are Brian, uh, and I'm here with Brian Barber. For those just joining in, uh, Brian is. Uh, pr- primarily a sound man and he's also written a bunch of uh a bunch of songs that he has been uh and i'll you know last time you were on the show we talked about the fact that 
you don't really play out. You don't want to be playing in front of people. <laughs> that on, you're more, you know, you, you on create. occasion. I don't mind doing a few songs, but yeah, it's just yeah. like I don't want to do like three or four sets of songs. I, I just right, don't. Right, right. Uh, It'd be exhausting, probably. It's just not. I know it takes it's, a lot out of you. It's not really that. I don't know. As I've, as I've gotten older, I just wanted to really just kind of do everything in the studio, and sometimes being in front of people, I just. I have a little anxiety still, you know. Sure, uh, sure. You know, like, well, I mean, the Beatles you, played, what, their last six years uh, in the studio. Yeah, so. yeah, they did. <laughs> but as you can tell, even on the show, I, I always have a little bit of anxiety. You know, it's just uh, it's in my nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Well, you know, and I did notice that um, when, you, uh, uh, when you played, I don't know if you did set this up on purpose, but, you know, you, you, you set it up so that you're, like, singing into the corner. Jim Which, Morrison style, <laughs> or or I was thinking of Robert Johnson. Robert oh, Johnson yeah, yeah. recorded his album uh, in the corner of like a hotel room in 1938, and uh, you know, but that was the famous thing. Like you know, he was actually uh, I I don't think it was that he was afraid to play in front of people because he did spend a lot of time playing in front of people, but he would frequently kind of. He had learned these, you know, really uh, intricate kind of ways to do slide guitar and then play rhythm over that. And and uh, he was afraid people were going to steal his style, which was a big issue back then, you know. Uh, And so he spent a lot of time like kind of playing with his back turned to the audience or just, you know, out of view of people. And if he saw someone looking and seeing what he was doing, then he would, you know, particularly play uh, so that no one could see like how he was doing it. So uh, never knew that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I actually just saw a uh, awesome documentary on Netflix uh, about okay. Robert Johnson. Had uh, Taj Mahal in it, and Keb Mo, wow. and Eric Clapton had a little appearance in there, and um, uh, you know, really that uh, that was a a really interesting history of this guy. You know, his whole thing was that he. Um, he played a lot, you know, he, he grew up, he wanted to be a musician and all that, but he wasn't really that good. Yeah. And then, um, the story goes that he, uh, went down to the crossroads and sold his, sold uh, the soul. sold to the devil yeah. and, uh, came back and he was this great musician. Um, you know, there's a counter, uh, to that, that he actually went away and, uh, learned, you know, met this guy, uh, I think his name was Ike Stern or something like that. Who uh, who taught him how to play better? Okay, but um, I like the the story of the devil much yeah. better. That's a much more fun <laughs> story, yeah. and uh, you know it's consistent with you know going down to the crossroads. That song that yeah. he used to play, and Eric Clapton played later on, and yeah. Uh, so, but the one thing about Robert Johnson was that you know he uh, did spend a lot of time playing with his you know back to the audience or in the corner or whatever. But not necessarily for anxiety reasons. I never knew that. I, yeah. I, I picked up his uh, his box set. Uh, oh yeah, it was some years back, and uh, well, it, it got stolen since then. Somebody, <laughs> somebody stole it from me. But uh, you know, that, that was the first time I heard him, and I was like, at first, I, I didn't really know how to take it because, and then I started hanging out at, at, at like Bucky's Blues Bar in Laporte. Oh yeah, and some other, and getting involved with the, involved with the blues scene. They're like, Robert Johnson, you don't like Robert Johnson? I'm like, well, I'll give it another try. <laughs> And then I really sat and listened to him and absorbed it, and he really was great. Well, you know, most blues that you know, recorded blues, is based on Robert Johnson stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, from that, rock and roll is based on Robert Johnson stuff. 
Uh, and the interesting thing is, you know, I described like this way that he played that they made a whole big deal about back then. But that is like second nature in, in guitar playing now. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't really done like that back then. But, uh, you know, the way Eric Clapton plays where he kind of, you know, does that kind of rolling where he's playing um, the, the rhythm part and he's also playing the, um, uh, the lead part. Yeah. Uh, that, that was, uh, you know, that's, that's very hard to do. But there's a lot of people who can do that now. There is. And there certainly wasn't back then. So um, You've you got know. these new style of tapping and, uh, right. you know, beating on the guitar and, and, and with the rhythm like it's drums. And uh, the finger tap is just amazing how people can just do that. Like guitar oh, skills. yeah, yeah. Playing all the leads and, and the rhythm and, the, like, everything just all in between. But they get, like, you know, three fingers going on three different strings it's just it's amazing yeah i i know what you're talking about and it really is amazing i think albert lee kind of plays like that with the finger tapping thing uh you know that reminds me that you also play the bass yeah uh (laughs) how did you even learn how to play all these instruments you ever take any lessons or anything you just sort of i took lessons i think for about three months and then (laughs) it's all tech yeah i was uh i'm not learning fast enough you know you know so I, i just Besides that, learning by ear was a lot easier than than trying to learn the the basics of it, of, uh-huh. of music and like the root purpose of of of, of sound and music. Uh, I just wanted to play like uh, I think the first song was Iron Man is what I wanted to play when I when I got my first guitar. Oh yeah, yeah. So my teacher's like, "You want to learn Iron Man?" I'm like, "Yeah, I learn Iron Man." And he tried showing me how to do it. And for some reason, when you're you're starting off playing one string because you can't make a chord yet. Uh-huh. You know, trying to trying to make these chords and sliding down plunk, the strings. Plunk, and, plunk, plunk, plunk. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, uh, you know, finally I just gave up on that. And had years of just chunking on the strings, you know, just playing like bar chords. And once you learn bar chords and a few basic chords, then as you're learning songs by ear, you're like, I, I can't find out what this chord is. So then I started going through the chord books and just playing all the chords till I heard that chord. Ah, okay. And then that's how I, I learned different chords that way. But, uh, oh, okay. Nothing gotcha. formal really. Other yeah. Than well, uh, you know, at least you relied on, um, you know, chords and, uh, recognize chords and yeah. recognize, you know, guitar charts and stuff like that. Um, but as far as the bass goes, uh, that was by mistake. <laughs> I just happened to be like, there's probably a lot of other guitar players out, out there that have had this experience. Uh, I was, had the opportunity to get into a band playing the bass cause their bass player had left uh-huh. and, I, and they were playing gigs and I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be in a rock and roll band, you know, yeah. so like actually it was a grunge band uh, called Serpentine. Uh, so they're like, pick up the bass, you know? So it's, I, I was like, oh man, I'm stepping down. You know, I'm going from playing guitar to playing bass. You know, right, like I, right. like I'm, I'm thought, sitting in the that. back row. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's not like that at all. Once I started to learn how to play the bass, you know, and slapping, and yeah, and, you know, just all the cool stuff you can do on slapping and popping, and you know, just uh, and it follows the rhythm of the drums and the melody of the guitar. You kind of like yeah, yeah. So That's it's, a good point. It, it was something that was fun to learn. Yeah. Uh, that whole slap in the bass stuff is uh, really is exciting, and that that brings the bass player to the forefront of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right, yeah. A lot of times the bass player is people don't necessarily hear that bass line, or they don't know they're hearing the bass line. Uh-huh. They are. It's like probably you know traveling through you uh, more thoroughly than even the guitar. But um, 
you don't you got to be listening for it a lot of times depends on who it is but i i feel like i'm like that like i'll i'll listen for the bass and i'll be like oh that's what's going on there but you don't notice it at the outset like you do with the singing or piano or uh guitar because those are at a you know um they're at a higher uh chord um, well, like they always, you know, a higher note i should say like they always say that the singer gets all the attention the drummer gets all the attention and the guitarists get all the attention but for some reason the bass player is just like just the bass player <laughs> not always you got like people like buddy buddy pearson that guy buddy is just pearson, a standout yeah. for sure he's so good flea flea you know, but also yeah, buddy yeah. uh headlines his you yeah know, he, he he leads his group he's the guy yeah uh but you're right i mean there's not too many bands where um and Primus, maybe? Uh, Primus, yeah. yeah. We were just we were listening to that last night. Some yeah, yeah. Really good. Uh, Clay, Les Claypool. Les Claypool. Yeah. He, is, uh, he is unbelievable. I mean, he's he is. so much fun to listen to. Um, but, uh, and, you know, Mike, Mike uh, Gordon from uh, Fish, he's also a great bass player who, you know, comes yeah. to the forefront. Phil Lesh, you know, uh, he's uh, made a whole career out of... Any of those jam band guys, yeah. man, they're just, they're great bass players. You just have yeah. to be to... to to uh, cover uh, you know music like that to be able to because uh, as jam band they're all kind of like doing their own thing but they're they're just together doing yeah it, you know. yeah it's, it's, yeah um, well O2 Burbridge was someone else I was going to mention and uh, you know it's almost like the bass players operate at a different level of the entire song and and mm-hmm. uh, you know it it doesn't it, it's not what you know the uh, untrained ear hears first sure but it uh it's the whole backbone of the song along with the drums i mean they're essentially the back the backbone the back uh the back beat of a song uh so there's you know, people like very that, important part of the song there's people that come into the studio once in a while and i uh my brother-in-law or just people that uh, know me and, and i they listen to the, some of the stuff from the actual recordings and and like you were saying, like you may not hear that bass in the forefront, but you can actually take and mute the different tracks and have them listen to it without that track. And oh, they yeah. can really see that, like, oh, wow, that sounds so different without that instrument in there. Yeah, yeah. How about that? And, you know, there's even bands that uh, don't have a regular bass player, and they find that they've got to create that bass sound in order to have a the, full song. The Doors. The Doors, yeah. exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah, <laughs> Ray Manzarek would play the, the, the backbeat, you know, with his left hand. Yeah. Uh, and then um, someone I came across uh, just recently uh, had a similar kind of situation. Um, anyway. Uh, Does Tame Impala have, have <clears throat> a uh, bass player, or they just use all synths for their stuff? Tame Impala. Uh, what's the guy's name? Parker's for his last name. He's essentially all of Tame Impala, and but then when they and you know he does it like you do. He does it in the studio. He did it from his basement in Australia or whatever, and um, created this unbelievable music. But then when he went on the road, he had to bring people in with him. Yeah. So yeah, he's got a bass. He's got this. He's got that. But uh, when he plays on stage, he actually has, um, he, he's got all these pedals around him. So he can control everyone else's tone and all that. Uh. You know, he's basically running that whole show. He's basically taking all that input and uh, creating the song out of it. Um, but, you know, that had to be quite a, uh, quite a dance to be able to 
translate, you know, all these things that he took hours and hours of laying over one, one right after another and creating these songs uh, in the same way that you were with, you know, bringing in the, and, and then giving that up to actual musicians, but like still retaining control of it. Yeah. That, that's gotta be a tough one. I'm sure it is probably a huge balancing act. Yeah. Uh, at that point, I just want to pull a Jack white and, and go out <laughs> with my, my, my wife playing drums and me playing guitar and singing. <laughs> right. And have maybe some samples or something <laughs> right. like to, to fill in some of the other stuff. So, um, you know, uh, what is your timing for coming out with your new album? Uh, and, and, uh, I, as we were talking about, so it's an EP. In fact, it's like yeah. a four song, maybe a fifth bonus, but it's going to be uh, perhaps with the working title uh, in D rock. Yeah. I love that. That's great. And the songs aren't all played in D. It's just uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. Have <laughs> every song be yeah. <laughs> so that that's kind of what I'm thinking for the name of the album. And uh, thinking no later than the end of February, having it out. So oh, all right. So yeah. it's coming right out. Yeah. Yep. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play it on the radio station first. And then have like a cool down time to actually release it and deal with whatever I have to deal with for Apple and, right. and uh, <clears throat> all the bureaucratic yeah. uh, um, paperwork and stuff. Are you planning to um, have a uh, uh, vinyl album coming out of that? That would be neat. Wouldn't that be fun? I actually thought about that. Maybe not this one. I've got my next album I'm going to do after this one is a smooth jazz album. And maybe that one. And then last of all, hopefully sometime in the fall. I want to do a three-song, four-song EP of blues. Uh, oh wow! And uh, do you do you have all these songs written already, or uh, for the most part, the jazz songs are done. Maybe maybe you have to you know fine tune one of them. Uh, the blues, I've got two songs for that. Cool. So, yeah. And and do you have the other songs written, just not down, or? You're still working on writing. Still working on writing some of that. Yeah. I might be some involvement with Dan Beaver in, in some of this. I've talked, oh, talked yeah, to him. Oh, yeah, Dan Beaver. He's been on the show. He's a harmonica player. Yeah. Th- well, he's with uh, Caruso. What's his? What's, uh, I can't, I'm not sure what, what the background is on him. Yeah. Well, so now he's playing with, um, I thought his, the, the band's name was Caruso. But Dan Beaver, he, uh, he's an awesome uh, harp player, and he gets to play with everyone. He's played at... Uh, um, at uh, Buddy Guy's. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's got some pictures of him playing with Buddy Guy. and Been pretty lucky and pretty... Well, he's talented. I shouldn't say lucky. He's, he's very talented. Right place in the right time is what it was. And yeah. Uh, he, his talent is what shows through. And also, he's not afraid to uh, put himself out there. No. I, I was... I think we were together at Toronzo Cannon. Yeah. Uh, and Dan Beaver <laughs> came into the Acorn, Toronzo Cannon's put up on stage, and he's like, hey, man, put me up there. <laughs> and they did. They brought him up, and he played yeah. with Taranzo. And That's uh, so funny. He that said was to great. Him, he said to him, uh, you could put me up there. He's like, hey, I'm trying to do a show here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, There's a little bit of pushback at yeah. first, but uh, I, I I don't know if that was bantering or it was like, you know, he's like, oh, man, now I got to <laughs> figure out a way to get him up here. Where are we going to fit him in? No, but that, that was really a lot of fun to see our good friend Dan yeah. getting up there and, um, actually, and playing with this professional musician. And actually, a schoolmate, a schoolmate of mine. I grew up with Dan. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah you knew him from growing up too. Yeah. How do you like that? Just, uh, yeah, out in the schoolyard, you know, just to <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, were you guys the uh, same age and everything? Uh, I think Dan's 
Dan's a year or two older than me. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, so he's uh, right there. His brother, Andy, was uh, uh, in my class. Yeah, yeah. So. so you were talking about the Smooth Jazz album, and that reminded me of Brian Lubeck, who has also yeah. been on the show, and uh, I think he, you introduced me to him. Yeah. That was, uh, that was the connection there, but um, Brian Lubeck is the real deal. Like, he, uh, he is, um, uh, he's got, like, all kinds of uh, awards from Spotify, or uh, he's making all kinds of records, uh, with with his sales and things like that in, in that genre like he's very popular as a smooth jazz um uh, musician coming up i listened to him as, as i was growing up uh i don't know it was some of his earlier stuff uh and i really liked it i was a big fan of, of his before i even met him and then one day he just happened to be sh- I happen to be doing sound for him at the Acorn Theater, and uh-huh. I was like, "Wow, this is so cool!" Because I know all his albums, so I'm going to dial him in, you know. And uh, so that that was pretty cool, and that's where we kind of met and talked about music. I did something for him at the Mendel Center, and uh-huh. you know, just uh, and we kept in touch. But he's really blossomed. He, I mean, he, he's always been a great musician, and I, I think he—I might be wrong, but I think he was in theater as well when he was younger. Um, oh yeah, I think I remember him saying so something about that. He's just yeah. an all-around uh, talented guy. Yeah, and very creative, uh, especially his new album "Midnight Sun." Uh, it's done right. really well, and even during the COVID, he was interviewing all these famous artists that he, he for uh, uh, advertisement company. That's right. He he um, transitioned, so he had like a day job as like in marketing or something. Yeah, and yeah. then during COVID, when he couldn't play. He was doing all kinds of stuff to keep things, yeah. keep the lights on. Essentially, yeah. you know, he was. I think he did some online concerts, but then he was doing these these interviews uh, of uh, really big musicians. Like Lindsey Buckingham, yeah, yeah. Uh, Boy he George, I mean, to, just, the, the list goes on. It was I know he, he had access Hall. to all kinds of really awesome uh, um, big musicians, and I, that was uh, that was really cool. That yeah, that, that I'm happy for him that, that he was able to do that. He, he yeah. deserves it. He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, uh, uh, are you um, got any more equipment that you've got your got your eyes on anymore? <laughs> <laughs> any new instruments or anything like that? Just, just bought a bass recently, just because for the need of it. I, you know, for a while I was playing all the bass lines on my uh, workstation, like tapping them out because it sounds oh, like yeah. a bass, but and you can make it sound pretty much like a bass. But uh-huh. I was like, no, nah, it's time to to do this right and you know for the for the new for the album i had i had to uh get a get a real bass to you to got do. to get a new bass there is one song yeah. on there that that actually kept the old track it's a oh uh-huh. a synth bass where i just kind of like tapped it out yeah <laughs> and it just came out really good so i i left it like that i tried to play it on the regular bass and it didn't didn't uh, come through the same so huh. i just okay. left it yeah that's good so uh what kind of what's the difference between like you know playing the or actual instrument and playing it on the synth i mean do you are you able to hear it or or is it um more just like keystroke differences uh you have to so when you play the keys versus the piano it's played different than you'd play the piano from uh like the um um well i guess what i mean is you know when you're playing uh, a bass guitar uh, you know, you're strumming, you're you're hitting those notes, but maybe they're, uh, especially if you do some strumming as opposed to just S- you know, finger Sustain was what I was trying to think of. Sustain, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, so yeah. Sustain, so like the sustain's different and the attack's different 
playing a piano versus playing the right, keys. Right, right. Um, and when you transition to a different instrument, like like the first example, the saxophone, the, they set it up really neat because you have like the the key the knob that you roll to change to change pitch uh-huh. or uh, or the intensity of yeah, the of the blowing of the so sax. It's, yeah, it's it's insignable. That's what I was getting at. Is that it's you create like the breath of the saxophone with it. So when you're playing that key, you can actually roll that knob and it, and uh, it blow, it's like blowing into the instrument. So you yeah. get all these, these quirky quacks, you know, you get out of a, a saxophone. Uh, and, and oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's, so. that's more than just, you know, pressing on the, the key and making the note that would come out of the saxophone. You're, you're able to increase the, the volume of it with this little roller thing. You can increase the volume. You can increase the, the way you attack it. Uh-huh. Um, and it's got another setting where you can do like runs up, you know, like when you're low and it goes and it goes up to a screech real quick, you know, I'm trying to think of a way to yeah. describe that. But uh, just the style of the saxophone is really hard to copy on on keyboard or piano. So they, they make it to where you can, with practice, be able to do something very close to the actual instrument. Well, what really impresses me is that um, not only do you know this equipment and uh, know the best you know, kind of equipment for the the job, you're also able to utilize the equipment to its fullest degree. You know, like if I, if I get a cell phone, uh, you know, I might, you know, be really good with the, uh, um, with the mail function or the, you know, the music function, but there's so much, you know, more that you could be doing with any kind of app or whatever. And you seem to always like get to that stage of it where, where you've dug down and really know how to like get the most out of any you know hard piece of equipment or software or something like that you you know you really dig in and and not just not just figure out how to do it for the immediate purpose you have but but uh, get a broad range of how to use this to its maximum extent. You remember that little monkey called Curious George? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of the way I've been been my whole life. Just anything that I see, I want to know how it works. Uh, I've taken apart TVs when I was a kid. Yeah, was, you know, didn't necessarily was it not, wasn't necessarily able to put them back together <laughs> and make them work again. But that, that's how you start learning. You just take stuff apart, and you know, you, right? Well, that is funny you say that because that was the joke when I was growing up. I'd like, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm going to go fix this. Next thing you know, it was like all taken apart, and you know, <laughs> uh, I remember pulling apart a bike generator and being like, oh, that's what's going on here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, all my grandfather could say is, you just tore apart my bike generator <laughs> well so i okay i get that but i mean that's that's time you know that's digging in and uh so anything the bottom of it any type of equipment before i even get it i research it and i, I get the, the owner's manual uh-huh. and i read through the whole owner's manual yeah and then by the time i get it i know how to operate it before i even even, <laughs> even used it a lot i could like operate that, a lot of it before i even use it that makes it exciting you know you get something <laughs> in the mail you're not just like oh what's gonna you know what's this gonna look like You've already got it down. You're already ready to jump in on it. It's just funny because most men are, are looked upon as the guys that don't they don't read directions. They just right, you know, right. set something up. And here I'm just the total opposite. Yeah. Read the directions before I even get the, get the item. <laughs> you, you go online and find the owner's manual that may not even be coming with the uh, actual product when it comes in the mail. Yeah, may or may not. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, Brian, uh, great to have you on the show. And uh, I've been here with Brian Barber, good friend of mine, a musician, a sound guy, um, sound engineer. And um, everyone to know what the best sound equipment is. You can always consult with Brian. 
But um, really excited to to have Brian's new uh, EP come out, tentatively titled Indie um, Indie Rock. Yeah, and it sounds like it might come out in February or so. Yep. And uh, hey, man, if uh, Fred's not going to put you on the show, I will. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you will. Yeah, thanks hey, for having me, John. I oh really, yeah, really had a good time. Oh, I yeah. always do. Yeah. Always. Well, you've been listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman, and I've been here with uh, Brian Barber. Uh, you've been listening to us on Radio Harbor Country. That's WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And again, we're underwritten by Kara's Cottages. Thank you, Kara. Everybody, have a good night. Take it easy. <laughs>